This week on the Men at the Movies podcast, we welcome the heptapods in Arrival. We discuss the power of language and the importance of communication. The conversations we immerse ourselves in will reshape and rewire our minds. And we see that we have to give, open, and risk in order to win the thing we most long for, connection. Say yes to the invitation and let's discover God's truth in this movie. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story, the story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Hello and welcome to the Men at the Movies podcast. My name is Paul McDonald and joining me via the Zoom stream is Britt Mooney. Hey man, how are you doing today? Doing well, man. How are you? Doing good. We are planning a trip to the beach. Yeah, you are. So <laughs> it's like, who, do, who doesn't want to go to the beach with the highs in the 60s? It's going to be awesome. We'll sit on the beach with our long pants and jackets and sweatshirts and uh, at least I won't get sunburned. <laughs> that's actually perfect for me because I'm not as big as like getting in the water and being all hot on the beach. So like, I yeah. like the beach, but like, that means I can run on the beach or I can right walk on the beach or just hang out. I mean, I don't have to be like, you're not like naked running sweating around. everywhere. And, <laughs> yeah. And getting uh, sand all up in my butt and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was thinking a lot of times we, we've gone to the beach on the, on the, on the Gulf coast or, Recently, we've been to the Virgin Islands, going to St. Thomas and St. John's. The Atlantic Ocean is not the same. No. <laughs> so there's no snorkeling on, at, on the Outer Banks here in North Carolina. But there'll be a little bit of golf. There'll be a little bit of fishing. There'll be some good food eating. So we'll see what happens. Good deal. Yeah. Yeah, good deal. And you just got back from Dallas. Yeah, it was, you know, talk about party spring break. We went to go hang out with my in-laws. We, uh, you know, my father-in-law recently had about a month ago, had a major heart surgery. And so he's recovering well now. And so we, you know, we went, we went and it's, it's kind of a different stage. I don't know if you're there too with your parents, but it's kind of different stage with Becca's parents where we had to make them let us do stuff. Cause you know, like for the longest time they were the parents and like, right. they were that old school sort of mentality. It was like, you come to our house, we're going to make the meals. We're going to do the stuff, pay for everything. Right. And this time we basically were like, no, sit down. We're going to do it. And, and so I think they really appreciated it, but it's, you know, as we're going to talk about today, their, their thinking had to change about this. Yeah. And, and her dad said, thank you for showing us the new normal, like wow. that this can work, you know? that you guys can come and basically serve us right. and, and that's okay. You know? And uh, so, yeah, it was good. Yeah. And transitions are always hard as you like, wait, no, this is, and it's not like bad. It's not less than no. it's just different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we are talking about one of your favorite movies. It is. Came out I have in a big list of favorite movies, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. his list of top 10 movies is about 60 movies long. <laughs> Uh, Arrival came out in 2016. It's got Amy Adams. It's got Jeremy mm. Renner. It's got Forrest Whitaker. The director was Dennis Villanueva, who also BT dubs 
did Dune last year and is going to do Dune part two coming up. He did Blade Runner 2024, which was an amazing sequel. I mean, like talk about high standards for a sequel. I mean, obviously Ridley Scott wasn't involved too, but, and he did Sicario, which is very critically acclaimed as well. Yeah. So, so yeah. this was, and, and really it felt like a little prototype of Dune with yeah, the way it was shot, it. the, the, some of the, the way music was involved and stuff. So we're, we're going to geek out a little bit. Well, first, Britt, why? Why do you love Arrival? So Becca and I, my wife, my wife and I, we went to the movie theater to see this. This was a, this was a, mm. a date night for us. What a great movie and, to see in the theater. Oh, man, it was so amazing. And we and and I'm a science fiction nerd what? i mean like and, and i i like but i like all kinds I, I like the hard science this is more classic hard science fiction more like hey like what are the moral implications what are the philosophical implications like this is kind of old school sci-fi which i love kind of like the day the earth stood still and some of those you know war of the worlds and yeah. some of those movies uh, or stories um and so but my wife is a language teacher so here i am and she likes amy adams like we've seen her in a of lot course. of movies and she she likes amy and I, I mean i do too and so this was like well let's go see this movie and i convinced her to go see it and she is sitting there with me in the theater and she she teaches german at a, at a high school so she's done a lot with language and she learned german by immersion so she she knew like school high school german in america and then she was an exchange student in germany for a year so she knows the difference between learning it from a book and learning it relationally and learning it through immersion and so man she she was just sitting there geeking out and i loved it because she was she was like yep nope yep that's how it works no you tell her and she was just like she was so like and so so this has become one of my wife's favorite movies too and every now and then she'll go Let's watch. We should really probably own it, but you know, she's like, let's Save watch Arrival money. again. But um, but she she loves the movie, and but I I also think because it is that sort of old school sci fi that has a lot of depth to it of meaning more than just a space adventure, which will have some meaning as well. But it has some of that deeper sort of philosophical. What is who are we? What what would we do? Yeah all of that sort of stuff. So, and uh, so I think it's, it would work really well, obviously for this. If you haven't seen the movie, we are going to spoil it because there is a really significant twist, which if you, which I don't want to ruin. So if you haven't seen it, turn it off, go rent it this weekend, watch it with your wife. Uh, you can watch it with your kids. It's not a, it's a good movie yeah, to watch. It's, it's yeah. My kids have seen it. Yeah. And so now I am. We are going to spoil it because one of I wanted to talk just geek out on the movie a little bit. As soon as the dog finishes scratching herself, I do want to geek out on the movie a little bit because it is done in a way that makes you think. As uh, Doctor Banks' character, Amy Adams' character is is going along, we see in the very beginning her daughter at like six eight, 12 and dies at 12 from what we discover is a super rare disease. And we see that in the very beginning. And then through the movie, it is shot in a way that makes it look like what she's having are flashbacks. 
remembering mm. her daughter. But at the very end, we discover she's actually seeing the future as she gets closer to understanding the language of the aliens, the heptapods. And that like the, the, the line that she says to, uh, you know, Ian, Jeremy Renner's character of, I forgot how good, how much I missed having you hold me or something like that. And he's Which like, is like the first time. Right. But for her, she had seen and experienced the journey of love, marriage, kids, him leaving her. And then she's like, oh, I forgot how good it felt for you to hold me. And so we're, we're going to, that's where we're going to land towards the end is, is the journey and what will you do when you get asked of, of, do you want to proceed and go through the journey knowing the pain it's going to produce? Yeah. But that's the end of the story. The, and it's interesting too. And, and the way it's shot, the way it's done, you know, her name, the child's name is Hannah, which is a palindrome. The movie is a very similar to a palindrome in that it ends in the same place it starts. It's, it's just really well done. Very interestingly, even the music is sort of it, it, the last notes and, and we'll play it at the very end as well that it goes and it's a mirror image and it's very well structured, very well written, very well paced. And when you understand at the very end, how, Oh, I, those weren't flashbacks. She's seeing the future. She knows the end. And she's choosing to do it anyway. And that's like that turn and that moment is such a powerful moment. Yeah. Now it's, it's a great twist. And I remember being in the theater and it, it really, it took me a second to figure it out. Cause he, and he does a great job. I mean, this is no knock on him. Like he's not, he's not making it super obvious, but he kind of gives you some hints along the right. way. And, you know, when she says, who's, she asks the, whoever, the alien, she's like, who's the girl? Like, you keep showing me this girl, who is this? And, 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 and then you start to have the sense of, oh, maybe, she, maybe these aren't flashbacks because they really do. They're shot in a way that they do look like flashbacks. Yeah. And then towards the end, you know, the, the crisis moment is, comes from her kind of interacting with this guy in the future. Yeah. And, and her knowing something in the present that had happened in the future. So that allows her to kind of come full circle. So, so he sets it up, but it was still kind of one of those, like, it didn't break my brain, but it was one of those, like, oh, I really had to think about this for a second. And it makes you want to watch the movie again. I mean, I think that's one reason why my wife, who's very, you know, she's also very sharp, very, very intelligent. Like she likes to watch it again because you see all those little nuances that he put in there that are interesting in the moment, but now have even deeper meaning. You watch it kind of the second time through like, Oh, you see the little footprints that are, you see the little footprints and stuff. So yeah, very, very well done. And it has become for Becca and I, it has become one of those movies that we, we like to return to. And so we're, we're not really diving into the story per se. I mean, aliens come. Amy, Amy Adams character, Dr. Banks goes and she's a linguistic expert. And she's come in because they, they need to communicate. And really that's the key. And what we're really going to focus on our conversation today is the, the power of language and the importance of communication. 
And, and, and it's so interesting. And I think it's so pertinent today because we, we use a language and just assume that everybody has the same pictures that we do. And it's interesting, you know, they named the aliens Abbott and Costello, <laughs> whose famous routine was who's on first, which just shows the ease of misunderstanding in communication. Right. Mm-hmm. The double meaning and things and everything. Right. And so getting it right is really important. Not just for, you know, the U.S. government and the aliens from another planet, but for us with each other, for us with ourselves and for us with God. So one of the the things that comes up early, and, and you mentioned it a little bit with, with Becca in being in Germany, is knowing a language is more than just words. You have to know the culture. And Dr. Banks shows this because she knows that the Sanskrit word for war isn't argument, but it just means a, a, it means a desire for more cows. And the only reason, the only way that you know that is to immerse yourself in the culture, to know. And so that's the big question of, you know, there's a scene in the helicopter where, you know, Ian's, Ian wants to know, he's a theoretical physicist. So he wants to know how they do math. How'd they get here Tra- faster than light speed, all this. And her response is, how about we just talk to them and not throw math equations at them? Yeah. When Colonel Weber first comes to her, and this is like 20 minutes into the movie, but he first comes to her and he's like, Hey, we need to communicate, you know, here's the audio. Could do you pick anything up? And she's like, there's no way. Yeah. And and, he, and he's like, he's like, well, you did it with Farsi. And she's like, yeah, that's because I knew the language. Like I, <laughs> she'd already kind of did the study in the language and the, and, and it's like, here's two whale sounds. What do they mean? <laughs> what are the, and, and she said, I, I'm going to have to interact with them. That was her, that, in, in other words, she wouldn't even take the job because he said, are you saying no? Cause I'm going to go find somebody else. And she's like, I'm basically saying no. Yeah. She just wouldn't answer him because she's like, if you don't, I can't do my job. If you don't let me do it right. And, and so even for her to understand language, like how much, how much of communication is nonverbal, right? You know, like 80%. The vast or 70%, majority. Yeah. Vast majority. And so she's like, I, you want me to figure out what they're saying and learn a whole new language from a whole different race of people, a whole different species. Right. But I'm not going to get that from just an audio and we're not going to get that from just a book. And, and that's, and, and that's such an important way to begin to realize that, I mean, how often, and I love to read, you know, me, I, I love to write books. I love to read books, I, but look, I'm telling you, God, you can't know God from simply reading. You can't know. There's a lot of people who read and know the Bible really well, and they don't know God. I'm just telling you, they just don't because you also the main way is, is having a relationship with him. You need to actually relate with him. This is why Jesus came as a human being. Like there's a reason he did this. Like he's with us and, and the aliens do the same thing. They could have just sent the language and, yeah, you know, definitions or something, right. They could have sent that, but no, they, they had to personally come and trans and transmit the language through relationship. And I just, I love that beginning. And, and they have the little science versus linguist yeah. kind of sort of little argument there in the helicopter where she says a really important line. She says, 
or he, or he repeats back to her. He's kind of not, he's kind of making fun, a little questioning, but where she says something about how the language is a cornerstone of civilization. And, and, but, and, and it is the cornerstone of civilization. And we are told in the scripture that the word that Jesus is the cornerstone, like, and what a cornerstone is, if you don't know, is if the cornerstone is off, the whole building is off. Right. And, and so if, so Jesus is the, is the plumb line, as it were, he's the yeah. measurement to make sure everything is as it's designed to be. And, and he and is so the word and John, he, he talks about he the, is word the word became flesh and, and Paul and Romans talked about him sort of being the logos. Yeah. He this was idea. the message basically. Yeah. 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 And we talk about the word of God. The word of God is not, this is going, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday. We call the Bible, the word of God. And I get it, but Jesus is the word exactly. of God. Jesus is yeah. the word made flesh. Now, all the Bible students are like raising, um, they're rioting, they're turning us off now. No. <laughs> and I'm not be. disqualifying the Bible in any sense, because we're going to be talking about this in a minute. But the idea that Jesus is the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, the, the one that holds it all together, and he is the word, and this idea that how can we know God if we don't get face to face? Like she had to get face to face with the, yeah. like Britt and I, when we do these podcasts, we are on zoom because we could just do it on over the phone, but it's really helpful to see the faces and see where we're at yeah. and to, to understand where we're going. But how often do we just be like, we read the Bible and it's dry and it's, it's just a, it's just a book. I'm not saying it's just a book, but that's how we treat it. Right. And there's times that we have to get face to face with God in order to really know him, to hear him and to speak to him. Yeah. Like I said, G Jesus, God knew that the way to pass on this other world was to come and be with us, be among us so that we could then be with him where he is in his realm in the kingdom. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole point is not, not to leave us here, but to kind of translate us, you know, to continue to use linguistic terms <laughs> to translate <laughs> us. There's a double meaning there uh, into his, into his realm. And because, because he wants us to work with him. And, you know, this is kind of further on in the movie, but the, the aliens yeah. were coming for a reason that there was something in the future. They were going to need humanity to be a part of. And so this is 3000 years in the future. So they were like, so we're going to come now. So that, and try to teach you the, uh, it's not a weapon. It's a gift, right? right. That's this gift of the language because it, it's, it rewires our brain and, and, and the kingdom is such a different, it, it, it's ways, God's ways are not our ways. We can't lean on our own understanding, but you know what I mean? Like, like I can't be smart enough to understand heaven, like something else, this is spiritual. Something else has to happen. So that's why even with the Bible, the Bible is just a tool. It's an important tool and it's an, and it's an authority, but the Bible is an authority because it was inspired by God, right? Because God's the authority. He inspired right. it. So therefore 
it, it is authoritative for that right. reason. And so, and so we're not saying that the Bible is an authority is not an authority, but the Bible even says, I read it this morning where Jesus says, John 5, 39 and 40, you search the scriptures because in them, you think you have eternal life, but these are the scriptures that testify about me, but you wouldn't come to me. The whole point, even of the Bible is to get us into him is to get us further into relationship with him. And yeah, some people don't use church or prayer or worship or whatever. We we're so tied to our intellect and our emotions. We don't realize there's something that transcends it that is beyond our limitations. And that's, that's the point of the movie is that they needed humanity to get beyond their linear limitations Mm -hmm. so that they could be on the same level so that they could work together in the future. And that's what God does with us. He starts very simply, but he's trying to get us to become heirs in the kingdom so he can work with us to rule and reign with him. But we can't do it if we're talking two different languages and we can't, like, we don't even understand what he's doing, you know? Yeah. And that takes it. Hey, we get to go to our first clip. 20 minutes in, we're hitting our first clip. These different people have different priorities. The CIA guy is there. He's assessing, are they a threat? Like he's a very threat focused based. That's his, that's his framework. That's his worldview. That's his perspective. As we mentioned, Ian, he's the theoretical physicist. He wants to understand how do we do light speed? How did you get here? He's got all these math questions that he wants to know. And even Dr. Banks being the linguistic professor has a perspective. Uh, Your background will determine your perception, your priorities, the questions you ask. So here's where we're going because we, we have these big questions. Why are you here? Why God, why did you do this? Why did this happen? Why, why did this happen? Why, what is your purpose here on earth? Which is the big question. That's the one they want to get to. And God does want to share, share with us that. Yes. He does want to share that by the way, but go ahead. And so now in this movie, because to this point, they've gone a few days Dr. Banks is moving much slower than Colonel Weber would like her to. It's like, we need to figure out the answer. What do they want? Why are they here? And she says, this is the big question. And that she writes it on a whiteboard. What is your purpose on earth? And she goes over why that is such a challenging question to start with. Okay, this is where you want to get to, right? That is the question. Okay. So first, we need to make sure that they understand what a question is. Okay, the nature of a request for information along with the response. Then we need to clarify the difference between a specific you and a collective you because we don't want to know why Joe Alien is here. We want to know why they all landed. And purpose requires an understanding of intent. We need to find out, do they make conscious choices or is their motivation so instinctive that they don't understand a why question at all? And and biggest of all, we need to have enough vocabulary with them that we understand their answer. That's such a good thing because he's like, we Uh. need to know why they're here. And she's, she goes in and she says, what she does is say, I am human. What are you? Yeah. The whole, the whole thing we should start with is, who are you? Who, who are am you? I? Who and am that's I? how introductions start, right? Hey, I'm Paul. Nice to meet you. Yeah. I mean, I want you to think about either think about how you learned 
Spanish in high school, whatever you learned in high school, like what, whatever that language was, if you took a language in high school, or if you've ever had kids, what, what are the first words they teach you? This is a ball. <laughs> this is a table, right? This is, this is mommy. Like when you're with your kids, man, you want them to know mommy. And that's, what, that's <laughs> the first one. Mommy. And like you, you, you fight like, Oh, you said daddy first. <laughs> um, like, you know, you, you, it's, it's all about identification first. And, and this is why kids and people who learn a language, it, it starts to come together later. They have to learn a lot of vocabulary first before they start putting sentences together. Because what happens first, what happens first is definition and identity. That's when you learn a language, it's definitions and identity. The next level of learning is the rules. What are the rules of the language? How do you, how do you put these words together? What are verbs? What are, and, and how do you change the verbs and conjugate the verbs? Like then, then, then there are the rules. Last is meaning. Last is meaning. And God does the same thing. God starts with, I am. I mean, how many times in the Old Testament do people go, who are you? I, I mean, am. Even, even Paul, when he gets knocked off the, the horse, you know, the donkey or whatever on the road, and he's like, who are, who are you? I'm the one you've been persecuting. I, this is like, let's start with identity. And then God, then God starts with rules. Do this. Don't do this. I am God. Don't do stuff or do stuff. Right. <laughs> here's and how, then, here's how you will find a good life. Here's how life should work. Right. And then once you start participating in that, now you get to meaning. We want to start with meaning, like you say, but again, you got the Bible says, unless you become like an old fuddy duddy, you can't enter the kingdom of God. No, it says, unless you become like a child. And that's why he's, Jesus says that you've got to enter. This is a whole nother realm. You have to enter into it as if you don't know the language you have to enter the kingdom as if you don't know. And, but what, what they get to in the movie and what's really so cool is Language does wire your brain and, and how you think. Language does this. And that's why different cultures have such a difficult time communicating, even when there's interpretation, because there's also cultural things that are that there's meaning behind what they're saying that go far beyond just simple definitions and interpretations. That's why translating the Bible is so hard sometimes from the original Greek and the original you know, Hebrew or whatever it is. And that's why sometimes it takes looking at different, you know, translations and trying to get a bigger picture about, well, this word, the word believe in the Bible means something different than what we think. Believe me, like all the stuff where you have to go through all of these things. And my, and my point is, is that when you, when you do that hard work, language literally makes you smarter. The, the studies show that when you learn a second language, your IQ goes up. And the more languages you learn, the higher your IQ gets because your brain is expanding. Like there's new pathways being formed because you're learning something. And that's just other earthly languages. Think about if it's a heavenly language, right? If it's a heavenly yeah. sort of way of thinking, what happens to your brain? And so that's why the, the, the distance between what we know and what God knows is so much farther than what I know and someone in Germany knows, right? I mean, the, the, the distance there is so much farther. And we have we have trouble communicating with people who know English, right? Yeah. Much less somebody who 
a God who is perfect and holy and, and infinite and all of those amazing sort of things. And so it takes time. And, and that's why I love that in the movie that she's like, no, this is going to, there's no, uh, there's no shortcut to this. You just read a lot. You just talk about Jesus a lot. You just, there's no shortcut to this. You just need to, if there is a shortcut, it's because we actually do have a written version. So you can read it and listen it, right? And, yeah. but this still takes a lot of work, but, but the end result is it starts to rewire your brain to think differently. And, and that's the whole, and then we can get into the whole immersion stuff. So I don't know where you want to go next, but, but that's what, but the, the whole point that she was taking time through that process of, of, of definitions, structure, and then she got to meaning. We have to realize it's the same way when we kind of get into the kingdom. Well, it's very important to clarify your definitions. We, like we said, we just got back or we're about to go on a trip. You've, we've been on trips with our family when there's holidays, you know, when, when, you know, I'm sure when you guys were first married, you'd enter in, you have an idea of what Christmas means from a family tradition. Here's what we do standpoint. And your wife had it and it meant two different things. And so we're going on vacation next week. And I say, what does it mean to you? What does that look like? Because vacation to somebody might mean sitting around in a hammock, 12 hours a day, reading a book, for someone right. else, it might be go, 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 fill it up with, with activities, go hiking. Somebody else might be, let's go fishing, let's go golfing, let's go sit on the beach. And if you don't clarify those terms up front, you're going to have catastrophe on the back end. Yeah. You know, no, I, I thought you said you, you wanted to go out for your birthday. Yeah. I didn't want to go to Wendy's. Well, we went out. Or I didn't want to go to IHOP or I didn't, I didn't want to go to this really fancy place. I just wanted to chill with you at home. Like you, you have to do, and these are just, these are relatively simple ideas. But what I'm saying is if these miscommunications happen with the people that are closest to us, how much more will they happen with people that we don't even know that we don't have that engagement, that we don't have that, that depth of intimacy of that face to face. Yeah. So this is one of the reasons why we do this podcast. One of the reasons why we do this podcast is because one of the best ways to communicate meaning and to learn a language is through story. One of the best ways to communicate meaning is through story. And so there may be a meaning that's too deep or, or, or it seems too out there, but a story can make something that's very complex, very simple, but it's because it's show, don't tell, right? And Christianity is getting better at this, but for a long time, Christianity had, I'm going to say a language problem. There's a certain level of, well, if I know the Bible, I know these terms and the rest of the world doesn't know those terms, right? And Jesus, but even Jesus dealt with this. How did Jesus deal with it? He told stories, and and Jesus and Jesus used their language and he used cliches from their time. Like sometimes we don't know what I mean. What does it mean if the eye is bad, the whole body, you know, what does that even mean? Well, that was a cliche. That was a, a proverb in his time. And what, what did it mean to those people that he was speaking to? And so these, these are things that that even Jesus had to do. The, the message is universal. 
the the gospel is you you can't change that the gospel is what it is but you can express it in a whole lot of different ways countless ways you know infinite number of ways and and one of the best ways to do that is story and so so that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast is because instead of just doing strict teaching we can say we can all watch this movie and enjoy it but now why did we enjoy it so let's go back through it and sort of you know, dissect some of these things, even if it's a cheesy movie like The Replacements or something. But, <laughs> but there, there's but it, there's meaning behind some of these things that we can that we can all connect on and and kind of move forward to to know that we are in meaning. You know, we we we're, we understand the same terminology, uh, and it's very important that we do that. And I have to do it. I mean, my wife. This is years ago. <laughs> I'm kind of a Bible nerd, as most of you what? may know, if you listen to this, um, but and this was years ago and Becca is so sweet. And she, she you know, it was after a, a time that I, I was teaching and she goes, she said, um, what you said was great, but some people don't know your references. When you reference Josiah from the Bible and the Old Testament, most people don't have any clue what you're talking about. Like they don't know that story. You're referencing the story and you know what it means but they don't even know the story. They don't even know the name of the guy, you know? And, and I had to learn like, okay, do I want to sound smart or do I want to communicate truth? Like what, what do I want to do? And, or take the time to explain who Josiah was and why I'm using that. Right. You know, there's, you have to meet people where they are, but you know, I just, I love that she goes through that and that it takes time. And, and then it's, it's tied to the relational aspect of the, of the movie as well. And so as they go along, they become immersed in their language because they're, they're basically spending time with the aliens or trying to break the code, trying to understand the language, trying to communicate. And there's a very, very short interaction between Louise and Ian where he's they're in a room and he, he's, he's bringing up, he's like, he's studying, he's reading, he's trying to understand language. So th- because he has to understand language to get to the real questions. Like, it doesn't matter. You have to communicate. When we were in Spain, my biggest fear was that I wouldn't be able to communicate and say, where's the bathroom? Or we want (laughs) this to eat. Or, I mean, I know baño means bathroom and I use it in my Spanish, uh, my Southern Spanglish uh, accent. But when we actually went out and were able to navigate, getting on the train, getting in our hotel, going out to eat and return back to our friends... I felt pretty good that I was, we were able to navigate, but we couldn't do that without language, without communication. And so the way that we do it, and I think where we're hitting of why this also it's important is idea that our conversation is shaped by the context because she says, Oh, if the, I think China was using Mahjong Mm -hmm. to try to, as a, um, sort of a context clue as a shaping of here's how to communicate with, with the game. Well, that makes conversation, a contest, a competition, a win loss, a win lose situation. And that's when Ian comes up with this, Hey, I did some, some research. I did some reading on, on communication and, and want to know what you think about it. You know, I was doing some, some reading um, about this idea that if you immerse yourself into a foreign language that you can actually 
rewire your brain? Yeah, Sapphire Wharf hypothesis. Mm. The theory that, uh, it's, it's the theory that, uh, the language you speak determines how you think and... Yeah, it affects how you see everything. It was, uh, I'm curious, are you dreaming in their language? Mm. So that's the Sapir Wharf hypothesis. Um, I did a little research because I thought it was a really cool idea that the structure of language affects your worldview, your perceptions. Mm -hmm. The language you speak shapes the world, the language you immerse yourself in. And I just, it just, and there's so much kind of, I mean, it's, it's debated and this and that about this linguistic relativity or determinism. And I'm not getting into what's right and what's wrong with that because I'm not a linguist. (laughs) But this idea of the language that we immerse ourselves in will shape our worldview. Yep. And we're coming off of two years of COVID, lots of political tension, lots of drama and trauma. What language are you immersing yourself in? Are you listening to the news all the time? Like, I don't, my wife likes having the TV on and, and in the afternoon, in the morning, it's like, good morning, America. In the afternoon, it ends up being like law and order SVU. <laughs> And I'm, and I'm, I'm, when I'm not down here in my little bat cave office and I go up there, I'm like, I turn this off. I don't want stuff about rape or sexual predators or stuff like this invading my house because even if, and I have ADHD, so I can't not pay attention. (laughs) My wife, she needs it so she can pay attention. She needs something sort of distracting in the background. But this idea of what language are we immersing ourselves in? What language do you, what, what are, what, what are the conversations you're having with yourself? What language are you speaking to yourself when you're, when you're struggling, when you're trying to get through, when you've got conflict, when you've got confrontation, what, where, what are you having? What conversation are you having with yourself? Because we want to rewire our brains. We want to, Britt, you, you emailed this when we were going back and forth. You, you mentioned the renewal of your minds. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed yeah. by the renewing of your mind. And what, what, where are you immersing yourself? What language are you immersing? Your, because we're, you're going to do something. You're going to immerse yourself somewhere. Yep. The question is what? Yeah. So, man, there's so much to this. So just a quick story <laughs> that we, you know, so I lived in Korea for four years. And so they talk about culture shock and there's this constant tension. And sometimes you feel it and sometimes you don't, you know, uh, of living in a separate culture and feeling like you're a misfit, which I, I already do anyway. So I was comfortable there. <laughs> um, but I, I, Becca could not be there and not try to learn the language as someone who was fluent in German. And, and again, I'm telling you, my wife is so fluent in German that she does dream in German that when she gets home from teaching German all day, it's hard for her to speak English. Mm. Like is she, and, and we have been in Germany. I've been in Germany with her and they didn't know we were American until I opened my big mouth. Like, like people literally are like, Oh, they didn't realize she's um not from Germany. Like she, like she, and she got that way from immersion. And so we couldn't be in 
it bothered Becca that the culture, missionary culture there was everybody speaking English and we're just going to hang out with the people who speak English and the Koreans who come around, they, they wanted to learn English. So they're not going to try. And so it was, it bothered her that she didn't know Korean. So we took, uh, we tried a little bit at first to learn Korean and, and we started, like I said, you start with identities and then you start with this, blah, 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 blah. And we learned a little bit just from like, but it was really hard. So we did this like, intensive class one summer at Iwa University in Seoul, where it was like two weeks uh, or something like that. It was a few weeks and all morning we had class and all afternoon we had homework. And it was just like, it was intense. And about halfway through, I I, I looked at Becca and I said, oh, that's why Koreans do that. Like, if you want to learn how somebody thinks, you have to learn their language. You have to learn their language. And, and that means you have to be around them. And that's and how many missions organizations do that? They're like, OK, you want to go talk to the, these people in Kenya? You're going to have to know their language. Like, don't expect them to know your language. If you want to communicate the gospel to them, how do you contextualize it to their culture? How do you understand what you're saying to them in a way that the, that the universal gospel can be? can be expressed. And it's, it is all about immersion. And the Bible is about immersion. Go, therefore, all, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me, but I'm going to see you. Now I'm telling you to go, but I'm going to be with you by the spirit. Go and make disciples, teaching them, you know, and, and, and then, and then Jesus says, and baptizing them. That that word is immersion. Now I'm not. I don't care if you sprinkle or you dunk people in water. I don't care about your ceremonies stuff that you do. I'm telling. I'm talking about what the Bible says. The Bible says to be immersed in Christ. Mm. You have to immerse yourself in Christ. Now, how do you do that? Like you said, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. So, how do we do that? And there's no shortcuts. Are you ready? The Bible says, read the Bible. It, it says, read this. Publicly, read scripture publicly. Paul tells Timothy, just read it. Just read it publicly. It tells people, uh, uh, you know, Old Testament, thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Like you memorize scripture, you read it. And the Bible says, pray without ceasing. It says, rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. So there's worship, there's prayer. And it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, encourage one another daily. So in other words, you immerse yourself in a community that's going to be speaking that same language and helping you and reminding you. So you see what I mean? Like there's no shortcut to this. It takes time. Even Paul, Paul didn't, wasn't a missionary when he first got knocked off the horse. It was 14 years later. He had to, and he knew the Bible better than probably anybody in Antioch or wherever he was. You know, he knew the Bible better than anybody. He knew the Old Testament better than anybody, but it took him 14 years for his mind to be rewired to the kingdom so that he could go out and, and, and spread the gospel with Barnabas. And, and there's no, just, just, there's no shortcut. We, we want, we want to send people to a seminary for two years and think they're ready to spread the gospel. I'm sorry. Most of the time they're not because the seminary doesn't teach you how to be immersed into Christ, the person of Jesus. It might teach you the theological terms. It might teach you how to have a nice three-point sermon. It might teach you a lot of cool stuff, but it doesn't teach you what you need for your mind to be renewed. And that's how we are transformed. 
And and she begins to and it, and it begins. I love how the movie does it. It escalates. It escalates two things. It escalates what's happening in her mind. She she gets the little memories, the little flashbacks here and there. And at first she doesn't know what they are. And it kind of, but then she gets used to them. Right. Yeah. Kind of like when God speaks to me, when God first started speaking to me, I'm like, what the crap? Who's talking to me? But now it's like, oh, he's just my friend and he's talking to me. Right. This is normal. You know, this other world is now this other way of thinking is more and more normal. And so to the point where she's she's living in the present and at the same time having it doesn't like she's got to like close her eyes and remember, like she's kind of coinciding. It's such a beautiful escalation that she has. And the other thing I wanted to say is that the other escalation they do is with relationship is that. The more she learned the language, the closer she tried to get to them. And it's the same way with God. The more we learn to communicate his language, because he knows our language. That's not the problem. Yeah. But he's not trying to think like we think. He's trying to get us to think like he thinks for the kingdom. So we reign with him. And so and that's his that's his discipleship. And so for, for that, she all the way to the end where they bring her up and there's no barriers. She's just in the same environment with them and floating around with them. And it's kind of cool and science fiction-y, but that's those two escalations I think are so beautiful. Um, and then we can get into the hard things that she realizes that the aliens are showing her and get into that. But, but those, those, those two things are really instructive. I think to us that it takes time you have to apply yourself, study to show yourself approved, right? Paul says, I mean, this is going to take effort, you know, surround yourself with community, pray without ceasing, like all of these things. It's not just hyperbole. It's trying to get us to immerse ourselves so that our minds are renewed. And so then we can start to communicate better the truth. But then also it brings us into closer and closer intimacy with him, with God. And that's what we want. And so we get to the end of the movie because now we find out Dr. Banks has been given the gift. She can, she not, she knows their language. She has been given the gift. She knows their language. And as part of that, she sees the future. So now we understand that the, what we thought were flashbacks were actually seeing ahead. There were visions of the future, visions of her daughter, visions of her husband, who is Ian. And so there's this moment where she's, I think she's narrating to her daughter. This is where your story begins because she knows what it's going to end up. She knows that when her daughter is 12, she's going to die. She knows that her husband's going to leave her. And so she is invited to make a choice. Is she going to go through it knowing the pain that's going to come? Or will she tap out? So, Hannah, this is where your story begins. The day they departed. You all right? Despite knowing the journey, and where it leads. I embrace it. And I welcome every moment of it. You 
That can easily be the words of Jesus when he came. Because he's like, I know how this story is going to end. And you go back to creation. Our fall was not a surprise. Right. God created us knowing what would happen. And Jesus was always plan A. And he says, I know the story. I know the journey. I know what's going to happen. And I still choose yes. I still choose to do it. Again, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And the joy is all those, those baby sounds. The, and as you mentioned in our, in our notes, Hannah means Hmm. Yeah, she was. That was the key. Grace was the key. And again, they never say that in the movie that that's what her name means. They did more of the palindrome thing, but they kept going back to what kept coming up in her mind was this gift that you know because our salvation is both joy and sorrow. God, I mean, He hands us His sorrow too. Yes, we get His joy, but man, there's a lot of stuff on the, in this world that break His heart. There's a lot of stuff in this world that just break his heart and knowing the, but knowing the joy that was set before him, knowing all the good moments, you know, and and I I shared this, this quote to you, to you, to Paul on text from C.S. Lewis, where he says there, this is from the four loves. And he says, there is no safe investment to love at all is to be vulnerable, love anything. And your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries and avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. And so the aliens, by the way, if since this was their language and they could see 3000 years in the future, they knew uh, this is a whole other storyline in the movie, but Abbott dies. There's a bomb and there's a thing. And so Abbott had chosen to come and try to have relationship and and pass the language that humanity needed he passed it on knowing the sacrifice that he was going to have to make but he but they made the sacrifice because they there was greater meaning and there was there was greater purpose and, and like i said before they give they show um, louise that greater purpose that in 3000 years we're going to need you and we got to start this you got to start being you know more unified and all this sort of stuff. There's so much to that. We don't have time. This, this could be a eight hour podcast, <laughs> but, but all that to say is she, she saw not only the pain, but she also saw the gift that she was given and, and how important it was to, to take that. And, you know, when, when we get married, I know it's really traditional and sometimes people don't really say it maybe anymore, but you used to say, Till death do us part. You're like, you're literally saying there in this, in this happy moment, you're saying one day we're going to die. 
like i mean it's not morbid it's just it's just this is part of love we know this is for a time and 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 in that time there will be good and bad right that's what you're saying in a sickness and in health and good times and bad times and poverty and wealth and like it doesn't like whatever we go through it will have both the good and the bad but we're going to go through it together and it's about relationship and uh, you know and so all that to say is it that it is love it is love that we that we take the good with the bad that we risk our hearts being broken and that we don't take a broken heart as 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 an interpretation that whatever we did was wrong necessarily right it could could have been but but it might have been right too and uh, because what god did was right what jesus did was right and his heart was broken and his father's heart was broken um you know lord lord why do you forsake me? You know, he's on the cross. I mean, in his darkest moment, he feels forsaken even by his own father, right? He did nothing wrong, right? And so all of that is to, it, it, it's not a happiest thing, part of the movie, but it is part of learning that other language of the kingdom is that we get the transcendent purpose, but that helps us to endure and appreciate both the good and the bad that we have in front of us. Yeah, the, the word for, the word nostalgia is is what came to mind as you mentioned mm. the wedding because those moments of happiness and joy actually sink in more when there's a little bit of sadness to it little mm. bit of pain like mm. you look back and you're you think of those memories that are most powerful and they're happy but there's a little twist there's a little it's it's bittersweet because, and I, and I love where, where we're closing with this, this idea, like you just said, we have to give to open to risk to win. Um, it, because what you see is, is throughout this movie, they're withdrawn. They're, they're holding their cards close to their chest. They're, they don't want to give the other side, the other countries, Good. an advantage. But when they do that, they lose because they're closed off and, and we do that when we, we protect and we guard and we live in fear, we lose the very thing we're longing for. And that's connection mm -hmm. and connection with each other and connection with God. And what if, what if life's a non-zero sum game as they talk about mm. where it's not win, lose it's we're both competing, but we're both winning. We can both win. Like, if I, you know, if I sell a book, if I write a book and sell it, I'm not taking away an audience from Brit. Like Brit, it, we're not competing. We're, we're both on the same side. We, we're competing, but not against each other. We're like with each other. And so many times we look at life as a, as a competition is if I lose something, if I give up something, then, or if you win, that means I lose. Mm -hmm. But like I said, we have to, we have to give, we have to open, we have to risk ourselves because at the end of the day, what do we really lose? Well, it's, it's, it's all tied together with a, a, a bigger perspective for me to say, when you win, I lose. That's a limited way of thinking. That's a, that's a way of thinking that says there are limitations. Right. But 
what the aliens were trying to get across in the movie was that your linear way of thinking was limit was limiting you. And this is God does the same thing. Your your linear way of of thinking. I'm trying to get you to an eternal way of thinking mm-hmm. and a, a timeless way of thinking, because n- not not so that you're just become like a monk on a on a mountain. You know, you know, people say you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Like her change of thinking, her in the movie, it saved the world. And that's what God wants. He wants to change our way of thinking and it makes it ultimately practical to our lives because it gives us new ways of new solutions and it, and it gives us purpose and hope and all of this stuff. But it also places those hard times in context because Paul says all things work together for good. Not some of the things, not the things we like, not just the things we don't like all things work together for good for those who think differently, who love God, have relationship with him and are called according to his purpose in that context. And so therefore, uh, you know, so it's the same, like she was willing to, she, she saw even the hard times that she was going to have to endure with a different perspective, not that they weren't going to be sad, but that it was all going to be worth it in the end. And that's what God calls us to. I love that you, you use that. What is your purpose? Remember, what's the big question? What is your purpose here on earth? Yep. Because early in the movie, she says, there are days that define your story beyond your life. Like she is doing work that she will not see the results of because she's not going to live for 3000 years. The Mm -hmm. aliens aren't going to come back until then. But what she does today has implications and downstream effects. 3,000 years from now. And we don't know because like you said, we're, we're linear in, in thinking, but God says, no, there's a greater thing. Like if you're, if you're point A to point B, there is no arc. There is no circle. You can't even imagine it. But God sees that way. God sees in that circular way of thinking. And so I'm going to play the clip of, of the end of the movie. And it's a really moving scene and there's a lot of music because I want you to sort of ponder these things. And and during the scene, it's Ian and Louise as they're getting ready as they begin a relationship, a romantic style type relationship that will lead to marriage, will lead to child, will lead to divorce, will lead to child death. And Louise knows all these things and she sees pictures of the, the scenes from mm. the future and kind of transposed with this. But I want you to look at your story. As the music is going, look at your story and ask God to give you pictures of, of happy times ahead, but also to prepare you because as you look back on your story, there will be times of great pain and great heartbreak. Because like you said, you, you can't, the only place that our hearts are, are safe outside of heaven is hell. And we're not in either place right now. So our hearts aren't safe. But as the music plays, give your heart into God's hands and, and engage with God and immerse yourself in the words that God has for you. If you could see your whole life from start to finish, 
Would you change things? Maybe I'd say what I feel more often. I, I don't know. I've had my head tilted up to the stars for as long as I can remember. You know what surprised me the most? It wasn't meeting them. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be? 